0: The Life Aquatic with Dragon Sisu. Let me tell you about my dragon lake. Is this something, is this good bit? I don't know, you decide. Stay tuned.
1: Good day and welcome to Writers Get Animated, a podcast about animation, storytelling, and bringing folks together. I'm Chris Leva, And I'm Mackenzie Worrell. And today we're talking Raya and the Last Dragon on Disney Plus or in theaters, depending on how you feel about going into public or how you feel about paying money to watch something on your TV. Either way, this is what we're discussing. The movie, not those two things. <laughs> not the concept,
0: but just <laughs> Raya and the Last Dragon. <laughs> the story, the characters, the writing, the execution. And
1: and and then you can decide whether you would like to see it now by going to a movie theater or paying money for Premiere Access on Disney Plus, or wait for three to five months and watch it on Disney Plus. Up to you, and we will give you our knowledge. <laughs> question guess, mark. Question mark, or <laughs> not really our opinion because we're not like a thumbs up, thumbs down. We don't really share our star systems <laughs> with with other folks. We don't like usually do that. We're not like about ratings. We're, just looking at what this story is and what it's about. And we will have a spoiler-free zone for the, you folks who are still on the fence about whether you want to go see the movie, either in third theaters or by doing premiere access on Disney. I'm just going to keep saying that over and over. <laughs> plug it, plug it, plug it. <laughs> so you get to decide. But we will have a spoiler-free zone for you folks who haven't seen the movie yet. And then we will have a spoiler-filled zone for those times when you've already seen it and you just want to talk about it.
0: So and we'll, we'll give you a warning. It won't be yeah. Like-
1: you will yeah. We, you won't find yourself suddenly out to see like wait a minute are these you know like an anime meme guy like is this a spoiler like just like <laughs> oh like the butterfly? Yeah. the butterfly yeah the butterfly guy yeah. Is this a spoiler? <sighs> it's a magic meme.
0: <laughs> well, I guess to help us get started uh, and zooming out as far as we possibly can, Chris, what can you tell us about what Disney's doing?
1: Wow, they're making movies from home. Or do you want something a little bit more specific? I'm not I think
0: sure. that's fine. I don't know if people are listening to this episode. This might be in a future world where they don't know what
1: a pandemic is. Knock on wood. <laughs> so with... Well, are you talking about what Disney era we're in right now? Is that what you're... Yeah, like, what, what, is, what is this movie? All right. So Raya and the Last Dragon is the next film in the Disney canon. I believe... I, I can't remember which number it is. I know that Tangled is 50... And I don't want to go through all the other ones to figure out if we're at one, if we're at sixty or sixty-one yet. Um, but this is—it was written by um, Adele Lim, who wrote Crazy Rich Asians, right?
0: That's what I turned up in my research.
1: Okay. And <laughs> Queen Yin, or Gwyn—I'm sorry, Queen Gwyn—who. Um, is a playwright and wrote she kills monsters and also Viet Cong.
0: i haven't seen vietcong but every time i see a Viet poster Ghan, yeah. for like oh uh, yeah vietcong sorry Pfft. tongue brain um <laughs> every time i see a poster for she kills monsters i i told my husband like we need to go see this because i know he'll like it and dating myself way back years ago now um for all of our fellow Ohio Columbus listeners, Available Light Theater did She Kills Monsters. That was like a a life-changing moment for me of like, ah, this is what theater can be. Wow. Um, So highly recommend if you can find someone doing the play or read the script, um, really good. And when I learned that after seeing Ride the Last Track, I was like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. I totally see these two things connecting of writing a a stage play about like... (laughs) d and d and coming out to your family and <laughs> ryan the last dragon and like all the monsters some of them feel kind of d and d to me like the Drune, is like a very d and d concept to me like the name the two U's, the they suck your life force out and turn you to stone I was like that's not a criticism that's just like oh yeah I see the connection now creatively hmm. the arc of going from nothing in life to the
1: Drone I see. That makes sense. And we'll talk, we'll give folks more context to <laughs> yeah. what that is when we talk about this story. Um, it's also, Raya was also directed by Don Hall, who did Big Hero Six, and Carlos Lopez Estrada, who did Blind Spotting.
0: Which, fun fact, um, is a favorite of editor Nigel Catino. And I still really? need to watch it.
1: I, I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's plugging Nigel. Oh, you're plugging, sorry. Yeah, that's just, he's, he's a person. He works on this podcast too, though you don't hear his voice. <laughs> you hear his influence. Yes. Yeah, he, he's, his presence is felt. Um, <laughs> so this is, now because we live in a pandemic world, uh, Raya is, I don't know if I want to say more accessible to folks because of being available on TV, but um, it was easier for me to watch it with my family, and I will talk about that later when we talk about the story. Um, The ability to pause a new movie, so nice. (laughs) So nice, Um, but I'll get into that. But right now we are fully, with both feet, Totally into the new era of Disney. If you've listened to our previous podcasts where we go through the whole Disney canon to talk about each era of Disney, uh, the latest era was influenced a lot by the sale or the purchase, I should say, the purchase of Pixar and the bringing on of John Lasseter into the Disney fold. And then once that didn't pan out so well for Mr. Lassiter, um, because of things that he had done. um, I'm trying to, I don't know. Uh, Anyway, now we are in an era of Jennifer Lee at Disney guiding things. Um, stepping up as the creative executive in charge, and being the the figurehead of that, and as we know, she directed Frozen, and also Frozen Two, and I feel like Frozen Two is a transitional film. In in many ways, it you know that's what it's about is the transition and the change and what's different, and. It is the thing that's moving us from one era to the next. It's goodbye to the old Disney era, and now we are fully into a new Disney era of uh, people who don't, who aren't white, you know, getting to play in the Disney universe.
0: Yeah, more so than ever before, people are able to play and tell stories in. Disney animation and acted them. Not you and I, but, like, people in general who are qualified and talented can do that more than ever.
1: (laughs) And I'm here for it. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited to see where that goes and the stories that we get from that. I'm I'm super excited about it.
0: Yeah, the future looks bright. I'm really invested. I think Raya, I think uh, I've, I've seen some conversation about like Raya versus Mulan and I hate pitting things against each other. Um, cause I like the nineties Mulan. Um, but I know Raya does a better job representing different cultures and traditions and art forms and styles from Southeast Asia. than Mulan does kind of with China.
1: Mm. And I think some of that goes to, it's one thing to go on a field trip and visit things. And it's another thing to have experienced them.
0: Yeah. That's a great way of putting it.
1: Because on a field trip, you know what's important based on what's pointed out to you. And then something else is important because it m- has meaning for you personally. And hopefully you can bring that out. And I think Riot
0: does that. It finds interesting, meaningful things and presents them on screen. And I, I don't know a lot about like various Southeast Asian cultures, I won't pretend. Um, but with the the this movie, as the title gives away being at least partly about dragons and the last dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it obviously presents a more East Asian interpretation of what a dragon is. It's not like your dragon heart, CGI, like, um, (laughs) like Western dragon, like big muscly lizard type thing. It's more snake in form. Mm
1: -hmm. Furry.
0: Yeah. Doesn't breathe fire. Mm Mm-hmm. And they didn't feel compelled to, like, explain that these dragons don't breathe fire either, which is great.
1: Or they don't try to, you know, there's not... I appreciate that there aren't gags of, like, the dragon trying to use their powers and then not succeeding or something like that or trying to deal with our expectations for a dragon. It's just, here's, here's the dragon. Mm-hmm. And this is everything that they do. So, still in our spoiler-free zone, dear listeners, uh, Mackenzie, can you tell us, now that we sort of have an understanding of where Raya sits, Disney-wise, let's talk about the story of Raya. Can you say, like, the a 30-second synopsis <laughs> of, of Raya so folks know, like, that the, that the trailer doesn't quite give us necessarily?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I will uh, be very cautious with this um, because I don't think that the trailers give us hardly anything at all. So I'll try to give a synopsis that doesn't give too much more than a trailer does. But if you're mm. really spoiler conscious, feel free to like boop, pop 30 seconds into the future, uh, Raya and the last dragon follows, uh, our main character, Raya, who is from the nation called heart. And she goes on a journey to different parts of the land, meeting different people, um, in a world that is kind of broken. Um, And so it's about her experience living in and having her journey in this broken world and what the world can be like in her eyes and in others' eyes. And she meets a dragon. (laughs) The
1: last one. The last dragon.
0: Sisu. Um, And they're on this journey together. Hmm. I feel like that's as detailed as
1: I can get without saying too much that isn't in the trailer. <laughs> I I appreciate that because I think though, the best thing about Disney trailers recently, and I know we get into trailer talk sometimes. um, I believe that the Disney trailers are really good about letting you feel what, uh, the world of the movie feels like without telling too much of the story. Like I, I went into this one and I went and also went into frozen 2. like, what am I going to get? I don't know what this is totally like, I feel like it's going to be an action movie. I feel like it's going to be adventure. Um, but I didn't really get story from the trailers, which is, Really great. did
0: you feel like anything you got from the trailer was an incorrect interpretation of the movie?
1: um no I don't think so.
0: yeah, I'd agree i didn't I didn't feel like I'm a I guess I'm agreeing with the art of the trailer in general here like it gives you a real good feel for the movie without telling you what happens even like ten minutes in.
1: Yeah. I mean, it It sort of hints at things. And so I was like, I, I know, having seen the trailer, I know that something was going to happen to one particular character. And I'm glad that it happened early on so that I could say, oh, okay, I, I knew that was coming thanks to the trailer. <laughs> but I don't know what it means and what what the point is. <laughs> I think that's the bigger thing of the a trailer doesn't give you why things are important. They just show you images and you could sort of guess what happens. But you're not really getting the why, which I feel like is the point of actually seeing the movie.
0: Yeah. I, I do think the trailer shows you. I'd have to watch again, but like most or all of the characters, but you don't even get the information in the trailer. Like these are important people.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. You're right. I think we watched the trailer right before watching this. Mostly because um when when you have a very empathetic child that you're gonna watch something with, you really have to get them on board with. Watching something new. Uh, so, Jack, uh, we sat down, we watched the trailer, said, this is what we're going to watch now. What do <laughs> you think? It's like, okay, we could watch it. Great. Let's watch it now. <laughs> and I hope for the best. I hear
0: that didn't work out too well at first, but you got him to watch the whole thing?
1: <laughs> it, Yeah, it was a little rough um the trailers don't quite tell you the danger of the of the story they, you don't see the quote villain um which we'll talk about in our spoiler sp- spoiler filled zone instead of the spoiler free zone um but he was he was very anytime there's really danger and fear, he, he gets a little bit overwhelmed emotionally, especially when music uh, is involved. And Lord knows these action movies and Disney movies, they pump up the music um, to to hit an emotional level. Like that's, the music is the last piece of, it's the cherry on top for the emotional stuff that Disney's going to give you. We're gonna make sure you're feeling exactly what we want you to feel. So here's this image, and here's this music. Feel it. Feel your feelings. Full is uh, what I, the way I best can describe describe this.
0: Yeah, and like movies and even plays. Think or not movies, but like books and plays. I think people expect to kind of have their interpretation of it, have their journey with the piece of art, and then. Movies, and especially Disney movies, are like, you will feel exactly what we tell you to feel.
1: (laughs) At exactly 45 minutes in, (laughs) it's it's like very calculated, in a good way. Yeah. In a good way.
0: It's masterful. It's not a
1: criticism. That's just a note on the art form Mm -hmm. of being a Disney movie. (laughs) And I'll talk about that a little bit more. I know that Jack's experience um, is not necessarily... Everyone else's experience, but, you know, we, I don't know. We, we just have to be a little bit more aware of, of things and the ability to pause the movie, uh, to have a conversation was immensely helpful because I know if we had seen the movie in the theater, we would have had to leave. Hmm. Or it would not have been a good experience. Um, the same thing happened when we rewatched um, Coco for the um, last year. Uh, we had seen it in the theater and he was intensely scared of that movie. Like it, he felt traumatized by it. Um, so much so that anytime anyone said like Coco, like he would freak out. And then we actually rewatched it and he's like, oh, there's nothing in this that's really scary. But like I think the larger screen, the larger audio, the sensory things, um it was just too much for him.
0: Yeah, it just pulls him into the world.
1: Yeah. And there's a there's a episode <laughs> I'm gonna throw this in too. There's an episode of Bluey called Movies, in the second season of Bluey, in the Disney Now app. Um, and it's about bl- bandit the father taking bluey and bingo to a movie and bluey being totally afraid of going to the movie because of the experience like is there anything scary in this and they're like well there's a thunderstorm in it and she's like i don't want to go see it i don't i don't want to go and it's very much a uh fake disney movie that they go see <laughs> which is really fun but i was like i feel this like this is this is my experience of going to the movie theater so i'm just glad long way to say i'm glad to be able to pause the movie and see it at home a new movie that i'm excited to see and excited to share with my family and be able to hit that pause button so we could have a, a conversation about what we're feeling and experiencing
0: So, for anyone bemoaning the death knell of cinema, because you can watch new movies at home now, accessibility is a reason to do this.
1: Wow. Yeah. For, and having, you know, for for Jack who has autism, having the ability to have the volume where we need it to be and have our room be not totally dark was really great. So... And not having it be a sensory overload experience. Now, when I rewatch Raya, I'll probably put on my headphones and blast that thing and enjoy like everything that's going on. Um, it, I'm excited to do that later.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I, even as a, a human who enjoys like the immersive experience of theaters, there are some movies that like. I know I'm just going to enjoy better at home. Like I love being drawn into something. Um, these aren't animated, but like a quiet place, Ugh. I like that movie, but the whole point is that it's silent and it's not silent in a movie theater when everyone's eating their snacks.
1: <laughs> True.
0: So the accessibility of watching things from home is something I'm like, yeah. I Mm -hmm. do want to watch a Marvel movie where people aren't like whooping and hollering when something cool happens. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you for articulating and thank you, Jack, for um, illustrating how this is a good cultural movement and that movies can be appealing to more people by happening in Mm -hmm. multiple
1: ways. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay the ticket price to watch it at home so I can have control over the experience to help you know to help jack i w- i will do that so there's one there's one <laughs> thanks disney thanks disney <laughs> well should we should we move into a more spoiler friendly area so like place where we can discuss spoilers and story and really dig into what's going on and what they did and how they did it?
0: I think so. I feel like there's very little more that I can say about this movie that isn't in someone's spoiler territory.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and we want to be respectful of that everyone has a wide range of spoilers. So this is your cue, folks. If you have not seen it, This is your cue to go to the theater or buy it with Premiere Access on Disney Plus or wait a few months and watch it when it's open on Disney Plus or buy the DVD. I'm not going to tell you how to experience it. I'm just going to tell you if you have not yet, um, I will say it's well worth it. That's all I will say. And then we'll let you make your decisions on listening to the rest of this episode.
0: Okay, so final warning. If you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> stop now. You've made your choice. You're sitting with it. So, Chris, tell us about, uh, I don't know, who do you want to start with? What do you want to start with in this movie if it's spoiling?
1: Okay, so if we're spoiling this, I want to start with the expectations and the storytelling that we get. Or the the story that we get from what's set in our expectations. Um, in a lot of ways, the very opening of the movie, which is a really beautifully done with the puppets and the, you know the the cutouts. Yeah, um, I I just love that style that they told the history of this land and what it could be and what it was, and it sets up the danger of the Drone and what the Druun meet, which as a kid coming from the 80s, it's very much like a never-ending story, nothing <laughs> <laughs> feeling. Uh, so you get this really mythological story that's about the unification, reunification of a land uh, that was broken by humans. You know, it everything comes from... The dragons, the the magical beings, the sun, the light, the water, all comes from dragons. And now we're going to get the restoration where the human world, the humans fix it. The humans fix the world themselves because uh, they broke it. With the, um, jumping ahead
0: in the movie a bit, but the breaking being the dragon gem broken itself.
1: I think so, but I think they broke it long before the Dragon Gem
0: by not trusting each other and dividing into nations. Right. Mm, okay. I see that. Yeah.
1: When they when they divided into nations, which I love the names of them and also I love the font of the nations, you know when they like put the the names of them. I love that font. Like that's a really cool font.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, a plus cool idea. I wish we had more of each one but I know that it wouldn't fit in this movie (laughs)
1: Um, I just I I do appreciate it felt like it was going to be a big adventure with like I was getting some major Indiana Jones vibes and on some lower level some Guardians of the Galaxy vibes (laughs) you -hmm. know which it's, it just feels like anytime there's a, hey, we're in search of these things kind of movie, it's one type of adventure film. Like, I need to go collect these things. And I love that each one was a different... Um, what was I going to say? It was Each one is a different task that has to be completed. You know, sneaking around, you have to steal. This other person, you have to... You know, I, I just love that each one had its own task.
0: Yeah. Without being too elaborative about each task too. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, for this one, here's the plan. We got to do this in these steps and like appease these three monkeys, Uh,
1: (laughs) for example. That's a good example. I, I like that the first piece that she recovers has to mimic, or not mimic, but has to um, mirror the what she's been training for since she was a girl. Like the heart scene where she's going in and hitting all the booby traps. Mm. Um, which is all her tripping booby traps and using um, tuk-tuk or tuk-tuk um, to try to trip all those traps. I was like, this is what her whole story is. Like, I, I don't trust this. Something, there's always going to be a trap. There's always something hidden. There's always something waiting for me. And I'm, you know, trying to make it past all that. I just love that that is set up as a theme. From the beginning, and I like that the first part of the stone that she's trying to get to is uh, more of those traps.
0: Yeah, it tells you a lot about her character and how skilled she is. She's not a novice on this journey, she is an expert. And what she's challenged by are things she wasn't prepared for, as opposed to things that she was preparing for.
1: Mm. Emotions. could you say a little bit more about that
0: well, i because we're in spoiler zone now like obviously the thing the message her father was trying to get her to learn was you got to trust each other in order to make a better world and she didn't see that play out and her father was turned to stone and so she kind of doesn't buy into that message for six years where we don't see her on her journey and so now that she's like on the quest proper of getting the dragon gems, she found Sisu the last dragon. She has to trust these people that she runs into, um, and those are the emotions that she has to deal with. And I, I like that she doesn't she isn't challenged by that right away. Like the first person in the fellowship that she meets, if you will, <laughs> uh, they call it a fellowship in the movie too. It's not just a fellowship I of the ring. It's there is a fellowship. I understand. <laughs> It just um, makes me laugh. I, it also, like, maps out pretty well to the Fellowship, I think, because, like, Noi and the monkeys are four, and they're, like, the four hobbits. But anyway. Um, Boone, who's the Shrippatorium boat owner person, uh, she basically, like, pays him to take her on this journey, um, but he's also winds up being the, the person from Tail who represents the nation of Tail in their Fellowship. Uh, so we're not confronted early on with the problem that Rai has to overcome. I don't think that she really gets that. She's not really forced to challenge the idea of trusting people until. Um, I don't know. Tong might be the first one that she really has to like overcome those feelings for. That's pretty late in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like Even. Little Noy and the monkeys, like she's bought in. It's like, oh, yeah, of course she trusted the baby. Like anyone would have done that. Um, so I don't think that she has to grapple with her feelings then. But each new person for the fellowship is an escalation of her trust issues.
1: Well, I think each one, I think she trusts Boone because one, I think she has to, because she has to get away from Namari fast. And I think that the fact that she pays him, I feel like she's the one who's has the power in that situation. Here's a young kid, and she has money. She has an awful lot of jade. And he uh, he'll take her wherever she needs to go. I think the fact that it keeps showing up that it keeps getting reinforced that she was right not to trust people, and the, I think the first place that she goes after um, Tail is that Talon.
0: Yeah, Talon.
1: Is that that's and that's where um, she meets up with Noi and the monkeys. Is that everyone here could be a con artist? Like she goes to a place that's famous for con artists. Um, yeah. That's also, is that also where, um, is that also where CISU starts doing things on credit?
0: Yeah. <laughs> where Sisu just like starts going shopping.
1: To and buy stealing everything. Credit. Yeah. Yeah is credit this is on credit. i'm gonna pay later like you can't have credit we don't know who you are we can't trust you
0: <laughs> i do enjoy that like her trust is challenged by strangers because all like the nation leaders she expects to have to fight and overcome are dead or turned to stone in some way and she keeps discovering that the challenges she expected aren't there
1: Mm.
0: But anyway, then they eventually all trust each other in like a. They got to put the silver monkey together in Legends of the Hidden Temple style and defeat <laughs> evil.
1: <laughs> the arms go in the middle! Ugh! Come on, kids, it's upside down! <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but that's what that moment uh, felt like. Not as criticism, it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, they got to put the gem together and trust that one person can put it together.
1: And just leave their peace to the other person. Yeah. I mean, I... The part that we had to pause for Jack was way back in Tale and the drune arrive and they jump out you know one of those jump scare moments uh where they just jump out and you're like oh gosh and (laughs) so we had to pause because he's like i'm i'm going outside and i'm playing baseball i'm never coming back in the house (laughs) like i'm leaving um so we had to talk him back uh where we talked a lot about the trailer like what happens in the trailer? Well, she meets the dragon, and what do you think will happen based on what we've seen already? Well, they'll put things together, and then what will happen? Everything will go back to normal. Okay. Well, we have to just have to get there. Um, and I think every time he saw the drone, he sort of walked around the room, but he didn't leave or stop watching. Like he didn't like them. He didn't like watching them. And I think the scene where they're traveling during the day. Um, no, it's at night. It's at night and they're on the river. And they see the droon just walking around. And um, Boone talks about how during the day you could almost forget that they're there. Mm-hmm. But at night there you, you can see them. And it, it really helped. I think Jack didn't look away from them at that point. I think he kind of got what they were about um and I don't think anything got so exciting that he's or too intense that he covered up his eyes after that first initial like oh, oh no, here they come. they're coming for her.
0: I mean they're tricky because they are a non-traditional Disney villain. I think traditional Disney villains, like they're, they're charming and you want to get to know them and know more about them. Mm. And the Druin are, you know what villain I think is too strong of a word. I think they're an obstacle in this movie, but they're not the antagonist.
1: Would you put Namari as the antagonist then? Namari or and her
0: Raya. mother. Yeah. Okay. I think for, in terms of like Raya's plot and story and what she's doing, yeah, they're the antagonist. The overall narrative is person versus self, though, of like overcoming your own emotions and fears.
1: (laughs) Which is true.
0: Yeah, and the Druin are just kind of an obstacle. They're not. They're almost like a part of nature in this film. They're not a character that you fight against or actively doing something to hurt the main character. They're just a challenge that's out there that drives the story forward.
1: At one point, don't, aren't they called the, uh, doesn't who call them the opposite of dragons? Yeah. And, and looking at some points it looked like they were walking on all fours, a lot like dragons. Like their movements were really dragon-like. Yeah, they're they're kind of like,
0: they move vaguely like an animal while also being like this seething mass of purple fog. So it's it's hard to project too many feelings onto them because they are just, they're animated so expertly in that they're not, they're like an animal, but they're not an animal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unlike the war cats, who I adore and project many positive feelings onto,
1: <laughs> I kind of felt that about you—that <laughs> that you would enjoy the war cats.
0: I did. I want one. Good job, Fang. I just want to ride a cat into war. That's fun.
1: <laughs> I do. Um. Mm. I do appreciate, though, how how do I want to put this? I do appreciate that it was, it felt complicated, but also simple of a story for Namari versus Raya. Yeah, it
0: encapsulates what's wrong with the world into that single relationship.
1: Mm hmm. And I do appreciate that you get some quiet moments with Namari too. Uh especially the moment where she's looking into Sisu's eyes. And Sisu sees what's there. Like she's not a bad person. She's just making the wrong decisions.
0: Yeah. I think I don't know, I tried to have this conversation with my husband, and it was like Namari. I think, honestly, wholeheartedly, does believe in the legend of the dragons, but doesn't think they're coming back at the same time. And I think when she sees the dragon, she realizes that she's on the wrong side.
1: Hmm. It's
0: like, oh, the stories are real. The things that I loved as a kid are true. The moral of those childhood stories is right. And I'm doing the wrong thing. Because the thing that I want, that I'm nerdiest most about in the world, the dragon-nerd pairing um, is against me in my quest.
1: But I think that's also the difference in her mother and Raya's father. Is you have a father who wants to unify people and trust everybody and a mother who wants to take everything for herself. For the protection of the people of Fang. Yeah, but I,
0: she's a soft enough villain. Like it's like, yeah, you just want to protect your people. Got it. Fang first.
1: <laughs> Fang first. <Ugh. laughs> well, I I do also think there's something about that belief that I I think that <laughs> Namari believes in Fang, but. Raya has lost her heart Hmm. because she's lost her father. So the only thing she has is the possibility of the dragons coming back. So that way she could bring her father back. So she has to believe in the legend. Yeah. Because there's nothing else for her if that's not true.
0: So ultimately, both these characters have... Selfish motivations driven by their experience with their home nation. And those motivations come into conflict until they realize that working together is
1: better. And I think there's still a moment when you realize that Namari's mother's been turned to stone, that Namari's now out for, I'm not sure. I was a little confused other than it being a really, and I don't use this word ever, but dope fight scene. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, that felt really weird to say. Uh, it was a really terrific fight scene between Raya and Namari. there. I mean, there there have been a few, but this this final one where they're fighting and then they realize the rest of the Fellowship <laughs> are leading all the people of Fang out um, trying to save them from the drone. Um I'm just I'm I have so many questions about what Namari's going through at that moment and what she's feeling and why she's attacking at that. Part of me is like, just fix it. Just just fix it, you know. I mean and I know that's not the message, but
0: of and, of all the things that I'm pulling from pandemic era. <laughs> I think one of them is just understanding stress more. Mm. And I hope that we all as humanity understand stress more (laughs) in that when you're really stressed, you kind of zero in on whatever your problem is at the time. And you kind of lose focus on the logic of that problem sometimes. Mm. I don't being very vague, but like, if during the last year of pandemic, you were trying to put together um a piece of furniture because <laughs> that's what you need at home. And for some reason it makes you break down and cry because you can't put it together. That's really the stress of pandemic. You have zero, you've zeroed in on the current problem without any context for what you need from that or why do you need Ooh. to build the chair right now? No, you don't, but that's what you've chosen to focus on. And I think that's what happens to Namari. She gets stressed out and realizes her ongoing problems with Raya. So she zeroes in on Raya being the embodiment of all the problems. And if she can defeat Raya, that solves everything. Mm. End of problem.
1: I think that's well said. Maybe I'm psychoanalyzing, but... Um... <laughs> you, you might be. I feel like these are two traumatized characters. They, they're both... Um... Single parent characters, you know, there's no father for Namari, there's no mother for Raya. Um, so that way Disney could hit both of its bases. <laughs> Let's have two families that are, um, missing a, a parent. And right there, if you remove one parent, right there, they're, they're, um, uh, adverse childhood experience, or ACE score, goes up to one <laughs> just on just on that basis. <laughs> and, and having those childhood adversities, that trauma, um, would just really ramp up their um, their stress levels. I'm not
0: laughing at childhood trauma. I'm just laughing that you know enough about this already to. <laughs> Talk about
1: it for the movie. (laughs) I I know a lot of it from from my day job and also from my (laughs) the reading that I'm doing for fun, which is a a book called The Deepest Well about Childhood Adversity and Trauma. So that's how I go to bed at night reading about cortisol levels and trauma and you know Sounds like super
0: super light reading.
1: The way it's, it's written in a very uh, accessible way, that you feel the humanity in it rather than the science of it. I mean, you understand the science of it, but then you also are seeing the human life effects of these people. Hmm. And I love that we're talking about this based on Raya. Um, <laughs> because if we can't have deeper conversations based on the art we're witnessing, then why are we watching the art? Why are yeah. we experiencing the art? if it doesn't bring up other things and other questions. And I think for many people and young audiences,
0: Disney movies do do that, but they can't articulate those feelings yet. And that's Mm. when they grow up to be English majors like you and I. Mm. I was a theater major, so... I would say theater is just a subdivision of English. And I, (laughs) I don't mean that as an insult. I just mean it's the same vein of like...
1: Humanities majors, maybe that's a better way of putting it. Okay, that's probably better. I will. I will accept that. <laughs> I'm, I'm a student of humanity. Uh, so <laughs> we haven't talked much about Sisu
0: herself yet.
1: Mm, I think that's a good place to um. Wind up.
0: Yeah. On Sisu. I enjoyed. I mean, I I should have predicted this because it's a movie and it's a Disney movie. I enjoyed that Sisu wasn't a competent dragon. (laughs) Yes. She's a foil for Raya and that Raya is seemingly prepared and competent for the journey ahead of her. And Sisu is like absolutely not prepared in any way for any of this and she wasn't prepared before. Um, But Sisu does get the... Emotional understanding and Raya has none of that. Hmm. So I
1: just
0: thought that was a nice, nice foil, nice dichotomy.
1: I, I think that it's said in a very modern way, but I think the truth of it is in the, the group project analogy that she uses to describe how she helped. Yeah. Which I couldn't, I was laughing for a long time after that. Just the, you know, you're in a group project and you still get the same grade. You know, you're the one who turned it in. Like, you still get the, the same grade. And I was like, okay, so what we're going to experience in this is somebody who may be undeserving of the trust is going to be the one that you have to trust. The most to do what's right. Yeah, um, and I like that in both ways. Sisu is like a both sides of Raya and Namari in that sense.
0: Yeah, she's kind of the bridge. I mean, it's what they bond over too. Hmm. I just really love the Raya and Namari childhood scene where they're nerding
1: out. Hmm. I really am mad that that whole scene I was like don't go show her the dragon don't go <laughs> don't go show it to her this is don't go show her you can't trust her like it was I was I felt bad about like not trusting this child and I felt but also it's it's such a good turn for Raya to realize that she's been had at that moment, like that it was all something. But you don't feel that Namari herself was totally trying to do everything. Hmm. So you don't know how much of that was true and how much was, uh, you know, just trying to ingratiate herself somehow to Raya. Or she... The, goal, the plan was to ingratiate herself with Raya, and it just so happened that they do nerd out about the same thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's ultimately how any distrust in the real world is bridged. Like, what do you have in common with someone else? Mm. And what do Chris and
1: Mackenzie have in common? Being animation nerds. <laughs> right? Let's talk about that for an hour at a time. For five years, um, <laughs> <laughs> but to bring things a little bit back to Caesar, just where she is in animation Disney tradition, I do love that here is a Disney animal sidekick character who, in in like the great tradition of like the genie. Who talks about the theme of the story has all the knowledge of it, but doesn't necessarily have to have like fights or anything with the uh, main character. Like the drama doesn't have to happen between them. Mm. I I just like that there is this bond that happens. Um, and I, I do appreciate that Rai is not always entirely sure of how she feels about Sisu. Um, like, you know, where she's just trying to hide her from everybody. Um,
0: yeah, I think they philosophically disagree on things, but there's no, like, friendship ending
1: argument. Mm-hmm. Which I I so appreciate. It, it feels like there's no manufactured drama or anything. Mm-hmm. And I also like that she's just authentic and funny. And like the the scene that that's my favorite thing. Never mind. I won't go into it yet, but <laughs> yeah, I just I just appreciate her. And I would love a prequel series where we're like all the dragons are hanging out dragon times that would be a really great
0: yeah getting to know the other characters like a 90s disney channel like tv show spin off of the movie style type thing right and we chatted a bit before this and i shared that i i i like this movie but i think my only criticism is that i wanted it to be a tv show or like a limited run series Mm-hmm. It felt like there's so, the world is so rich and there's so many characters, and the possibility for how they interact with each other is so dense, and it just get little hints of each thing. that I almost wish instead this were like a a WandaVision-style like special event. Like, here are the six hour-long episodes of Raya and the Last Dragon.
1: Mm-hmm. Or the 10, 40-minute <laughs> episodes yeah. of...
0: Add some dragon However, stuff. So. Give us a Sisu flashback episode. Mm. It was Agatha all along. Whatever.
1: Give us a whole episode where we're in each kingdom, I guess. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I I feel like there's more to mine there. And I've been thinking a lot about my feeling about that. And I, I think that. I don't mind that as much with Zootopia because they say like, Oh yeah, there's like the, the 10 suburbs of Zootopia. And we're only going to be in three of them in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and like, doesn't, the series. yeah, it, it doesn't go into all of them. And, um, Raya, uh, has fewer places overall, but it does go to all of them. Um, we didn't get much tail. We hardly got much Fang, honestly. What's Fang like outside of the capital city?
1: Um, apparently nothing because it's all water now. Yeah. So why do they want to go there?
0: Tell me more. Let me in.
1: Yeah. I think if your criticism is, I want things, I want more of the things that are there. I feel like that's a pretty good, uh, that's a good thing to be bad. (laughs) Yeah. The criticism is, I wanted more of all of this. I think that's good.
0: Uh, There was nothing in this, you know, sometimes you see a movie and you go like that didn't need to be here. I don't think there was anything in Ryan, the last dragon that I felt didn't need to be there. It just felt like Mm -hmm. it was a lot all at once for me. Like I wanted more of everything because it was all well thought out and executed. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like either, (laughs) But less in the movie so I don't want
1: more and it feels like the right amount or like <laughs> give me much more please thank you I feel like the only one that felt like it was the right amount was um in spine with Tong mm. because the beautifully done reveal of him being the last one left and like I don't know what to do with you because I am the last one yeah and yeah, we probably would have gotten, if it were a, its own 40 minute thing, we would have gotten backstory and other things where he talks and we learn more about him. But I guess there's the, also the Guardians of the Galaxy where we get a, a strange talking, big, strong man <laughs> who, who has a strange pattern of speech. It's one of the new archetypes. The social
0: archetypes are still, I think, jockeying for power. And we'll get to our new commedia, <laughs> dell'arte. Lens. Set of team archetypes for the next 10 years soon, hopefully.
1: <laughs> I hope that like con baby like ends up in there though. Like here's a baby you can't trust. That's the new archetype. Look, we got boss baby before little Noi, just saying. Oh, you're right. It, <laughs> it, it is there. Well done. <laughs> uh, well, I know you alluded to having a favorite thing. Uh, what was okay. your favorite thing my, my first favorite thing that I wrote down was like anything done by Sisu just she, <laughs> she was like my favorite thing no matter what she said I was like this is the best thing ever um, but my actual favorite thing was where they're coming up with the plan and you, you of course get the Ocean's Eleven or like Spider-Verse plan sequence where it's like okay here's the plan And you get Boone's plan, which is so awesome. Like, I'll go in and I'll take out the first guards. (laughs) Like, I'm going (laughs) to knock them all out. And then you guys come in. And everyone's like, no. Then Sisu says her plan, which is, and I'll bring a gift. (laughs) Oh, thank you. And then she's like, see? And And then all of them are like, no. I just love those payoffs of here's what the plan should be and the payoff of everyone's reaction. And it just... I feel like that that was my favorite favorite moment of the whole thing. That was good.
0: I liked it. What about
1: for you? Uh, yours was like a close second. When I read yours, I'm like, oh, yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, I had a favorite line, but since you shared two things, I'm going to share two also. Um, I like the soup as the underlying unifying metaphor for this movie. Mm. of like the soup her dad feeds everyone at the beginning is a combination of ingredients from all five lands and they steal a shrimp soup boat. And so as they gather more people, they just kind of slowly rebuild the same soup. And it's the subtle like Redwall feast style. Like this looks so delicious. They did good food. And it's how it's a metaphor for people in the movie working better together. Wow. Mm. Attaining their own flavors. Yeah. And sharing flavors. I am, I've been on like a, this is neither here nor there, but I've been like a YouTube whole journey of how like where foods come from and tomatoes are new world. So like obviously everyone thinks of tomatoes in Italy, but Italy didn't have tomatoes until like a few hundred years ago. <laughs> it's not their food. <laughs> and that's kind of Ryan the Last Dragon, too. Like these foods don't belong to an individual nation. They're all shared together. Mm. But then my favorite line is uh, Sisu's line. They're talking about the dragon gem and how it's broken. And Raya shows, like, I have this chunk still. And Sisu says, if you lost a puppy, and I said, well, I still have a big chunk of it, would that make you feel better? (laughs) It's like, well, Aquafina certainly hit to the core
1: of the problem with that (laughs) excuse. I just want to know if that was written or if that was, like... Improv- it doesn't matter in the end because it says everything it needs to, but I just want to know. <laughs> Can you tell me? I have you the front paw lying. still. <laughs> I have a big chunk. Oh, so good. Well, Mackenzie, should we talk homework time? Let's. For your homework, watch new Tom and Jerry stuff. We're talking about what Tom and Jerry looks like in the year 2021. So watch as much of the Tom and Jerry movie, the new one, available in theaters or on HBO Max. Make your decision based on your family, your health, whether you've been vaccinated, your comfort for public places, your needs make your decision and watch the tom and jerry special shorts there are two of them on hbo max
0: as always thank you to our engineer nagel Catino and to jacob reed and the champagne
1: drops for our theme music find us on the web on twitter at wg animated and you can find our show notes and lots of other fun things on WritersGetAnimated.podbean.com.
0: Let me tell you about my dragon gem. Do 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 I'm doing really bad Wes Anderson impressions right now.
1: Oh, maybe that's why I didn't get it. Oh, I don't. Wow. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't do Wes Anderson movies.
0: I know. I'm a dirty hipster. Sorry. Sisu, Zisu. It's all it. That's where my brain went.
1: (sighs) Good night, everybody.